This episode is brought to you by Araza Beauty. You know what? I love Araza because they make makeup that is actually good for your skin and use both nourishing and intentional ingredients. All of their products are free from synthetics, artificial colorants, fragrances, and ingredients that contain gluten. And their number one best-selling foundation, the All-in-One Coconut Cream Foundation, is like skincare and makeup wrapped all up into one. It's made with 98% organic skin superfood ingredients like a coconut postbiotic that balances your skin's natural microbiome. It's creamy, it's smooth, it's low PUFA, and it also offers 25 SPF from non-nano zinc oxide, artificial blue light blocking capabilities, and anti-pollution protection. It's light to medium coverage, and it offers such a glowy, dewy finish, and it doesn't really have that skin suffocating feeling that a lot of liquid foundations do. I typically don't like wearing liquid foundations, so when I need the extra glow or I want the extra coverage, I will usually use the coconut cream foundation as the last step in my morning skincare routine and then set it with their mineral powder. So if you're interested, use code fully nourished. Again, that is fully nourished, all one word for 15% off your next purchase at arazabeauty.com. That is A-R-A-Z-A beauty.com. Thank you so much to Araza for sponsoring the podcast. Welcome back to the Fully Nourished Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Ash, functional nutritionist and integrative health coach. Coming to you with a scientific and spiritual exploration of what it looks like to awaken our feminine radiance by becoming deeply and fully nourished in a world that wants to dull us down. You ready? As a reminder, everything in this podcast is for education and inspiration only and is not intended as medical advice. Please talk to the appropriate professional when necessary and please use common sense before making any changes to your diet and lifestyle. So it's been quite a week. I feel like one of the main questions that people ask me right now is all about the RV. How's RV life? How's living in an RV? Are you sick of living in an RV? RV, RV, RV. And I have lived in our coach or our RV. We sometimes call it coach for just over a year now. And I am by no means an expert and my candle (laughs) holds nothing to the torches of people that have lived in RVs for three, four, five years. We've, We've met people that have lived in their RVs for over five years. And you know what? Everybody moves into an RV for a different reason. You know, some people are just doing it for the travel. Some people are doing it because they're in this kind of transitional season in their life. Maybe, maybe they're building a house or they're looking for a house or something like that. Some people are doing it to save money. Some people do it because they have to. There's a lot of different reasons why people move into an RV. And I think that that will kind of dictate the the situation as a whole. And it is really fun. It's really adventurous. It's a very different type of lifestyle. I mean, there's just a lot of things, like different parts of this lifestyle that people don't realize have to be a part of your daily life when you have certain conveniences. But overall, it is so fun, so adventurous. And there's always a challenge to be overcome, which is fun in and of itself. But this week, I mean... Things do happen. Like this week, we moved RV parks. We get to the RV park. It's like Sunday afternoon. We're thinking like, okay, we're just going to set up and then we're going to relax. We're going to have like a nice relaxing Sunday evening. We open the front door and every contents of our refrigerator have fallen 
and crashed to the floor and shattered into a million tiny glass shards. So we have picture the bottle of chlorophyll, a whole bottle of the Lakewood organic grape juice, uh, the Costco size maple syrup that I had just opened for whatever reason fell onto the floor and the cap, the plastic cap broke off. And so we have this like river of chlorophyll, grape juice, and maple syrup and just shards of glass. Like all of last night's dinner in glass Tupperware just shattered. And we just happened to be coming from a very, a place that, that you had to travel a very windy road to get from there to here. And so picture a moving earthquake, a river, a flood, if you want to call it that, of maple syrup, grape juice, chlorophyll, and just leftovers, just churning and moving around, just shimmying around to every crevice of my kitchen and family room, living room, just life at home <laughs> and oh man it was quite quite the sight to see and quite the cleanup and these are just the things that happen or you know like the fact that my feet right now are resting on six very large canvas bags full of laundry that needs to be done i mean they make actually quite the cozy footrest but it just there's no place to put things so you just shove it wherever wherever it will fit and these are just the realities of living in an RV. You can't get around them. Things happen. There's not a lot of space. And it just reminds me about how much things are over fantasized about or even romanticized on social media. RV life is just one of the many things. And I just share those things because I feel like it's a, <laughs> it's a funny story to just remind us that life and reality is so much different than what is portrayed. And it's still fun and adventurous, and it's still so incredibly worth it. But it's also just life, you know, and life can be a challenge and is not always perfect. And so today's episode was a requested topic talking about beauty standards, talking about uh, kind of body image standards. And how we as women are physiologically impacted by the expectations that society is placing on us, whether it's intentional or not. You know, I think we can all agree that today's beauty standards are next to impossible. And if we if you have not already realized that, I'm here to say I'm, I'm sorry to be the messenger, but beauty standards are always impossible to meet and they will always leave you feeling less than because the thing is is beauty standards shift right what comes in and out what's considered beautiful by society's standard is always going to shift and change and you might be lucky enough to align with stars and fit the current beauty standard but then guess what the beauty standard is going to change and so is your body and then guess what maybe you won't fit the beauty standard anymore so beauty standards in general just leave that kind of overall impossible feeling. And as much as I think most of us realize that beauty standards are impossible and that social media is not reality, right? I, I think we all logically know that, but unfortunately, our brains don't work like that, especially the female brain. We aren't 
That's not how we make decisions. That's not what shapes our reality. Our emotions and our feelings and how we feel about ourselves and our perception actually is the thing that is shaping our reality nine times out of 10. And what social media does to us is it shifts what beauty means to us. And I think the most dangerous part of social media is that it shapes our perception of ourself. Like we can look at social media and we can say, yeah, that's a fantasy or that's over romanticized or this is not reality. But how many of us really translate that into not allowing it to shape our reality or shape our perception of ourselves, a lot of us are allowing social media in any different way, right? It doesn't have to just apply to beauty standards. It can apply to other things as well, life standards, living standards, but we're allowing it to shape our perception of ourselves if we have value or not, and even more, our value and our worth. But beauty standards in particular is what I want to talk about today. And I think beauty standards and body image are really intricately intertwined and connected. It's very hard and difficult to separate beauty standards from women's bodies. Because throughout history, beauty standards and kind of what is considered beautiful from a society perspective has always been intertwined with women's size, our weight, how much fat we carry, where we carry our fat, the shape of our face, the shape of our lips, the shape of our eyes, the shape of our breasts. It really has been hard to disconnect the beauty standard from the way a woman looks. And I find this interesting because I think some people would say that that's like really misogynistic or something like that. And I have a little bit of a different perspective. I think that I kind of take it as a compliment in a way that society has always kind of revolved around the beauty of the feminine. And it has more so in the past when it was more celebratory of the feminine. But we can't help ourselves as human beings because we can't deny that there's something about women that is just so dang beautiful, right? There's something about their essence or the core of them that brings a type of beauty into the room. And I think we can all agree that it's their energy. It's the feminine energy. But society, which is very vain, starts to quickly focus on looks. And then that becomes a part of the beauty standard. And we start to get it confused (laughs) with beauty. So we start to get the beauty standard confused with the actual definition of what beauty is. And we start to mix up what is truly innately beautiful with what is just the beauty standard. And I think what happens a lot of times is that when women don't fit what is considered the beauty standard, they think that that translates somehow into them being less beautiful. And I'm here to tell you that that is not the case. I mean, I feel like the beauty standard has always been kind of impossible because let's be honest, all of us have different shapes, different sizes, different types of hair, different face shapes, different breast shapes, different lip shapes. Like we, those are things that we just can't help. As much as we we try, our bones are our bones and our unique features are our unique features. And I don't know why this is something that shouldn't be celebrated. You know, if you look at body standards throughout the decades, they have been pretty impossible. And I kind of looked, there's this really cool article that lays it out in a timeline that I linked in the show notes. But 
they go all the way back to as far as they could go. But they show how like in ancient Greece, for example, it was all about being plump and full body. Like men's beauty standards in ancient Greece were a lot more harsh. It was all about that like chiseled, you know, that chiseled look. Whereas women, it was just all about being plump and beautiful and full or plump and full bodied. And that was considered beautiful. And you'll see this happen a lot throughout history, especially a lot longer ago, plumpness was often considered beautiful because it was a sign that you had wealth, you had money, you could eat, and you could eat well. You see this in like the Renaissance era where it was all about having like the ample bosom, you know, like a a very plump bosom, the rounded stomach, the full hips, or in Victorian England, it was always about being desirably plump full-figured, a cinched waist, which is so funny to me because it's like, how can I be uh, desirably plump and full-figured but also have a small waist that's impossible without some type of corset, right? Like, it's just an impossibility. It just defies all odds. Maybe once in a blue moon, you'll have a woman who can be really, really plump and also have a small waist, but that's going to be impossible for a majority of women. And then we kind of enter into like, let's look at the last hundred years. We have the Roaring Twenties, where it was all about kind of that boyish figure, where it was all about the flat chest. Women who had bigger boobs would sadly wrap their breasts up with fabric or tape to kind of flatten their chest down. It was all about that downplayed waist because, again, the boyish figure was in the short bob hairstyle like of the of the 1920s was all the rage. And then as we enter the golden era of Hollywood, the Marilyn Monroe era, the 1950s, it goes right back to curves. So it was all about the hourglass figure and the large breasts and the slim waist. And then comes the 1960s. And lo and behold, we just go right back to that kind of willowy, thin, long legs, slim legs, that kind of more like almost adolescent physique that was so in. So so in the span of, t- of 10 years, we're supposed to go from curvy and large breasts to oh, willowy, long legs and Uh, a very adolescent physique. Seems legit. And then in the 1980s, you really see that kind of athletic, svelte, kind of a little bit curvy, but more about being tall, the toned arms. That was kind of the model era where it was all about kind of having that model physique. But then as they moved into the 1990s, it became all about the heroin chic. It was way more about the kind of androgynous look, that kind of waifish, almost extremely thin, which I think most of us can look at and be like, your ribs are showing, your hip bones are showing. Like there's something not quite right about that, that kind of translucent skin. I I, I almost think that in the 90s, it almost looks like starvation was in, like, oh, it's so cool to like be starving. That's what, when I look back at like 90s catalogs, I'm just like, wow, these women look like they are starving. And then, of course, you know, we have been subject to today's beauty standard where I feel like as we came out of the 1990s and the early 2000s, almost like the Kardashians came into the picture and curves curves became in, right? It was like all about the fit girl physique and all about the bigger booty and the the bigger breasts and like the really, really flat stomach and the thigh gap or like healthy skinny, you know? And I find it interesting because I feel like the the beauty standards of the past, I don't know, 15 years, 
the ones that have really shaped the millennial brain are so impossible. It has gotten us tied up into a knot. It defies all odds because to be very, very thin, to have really, really, usually a woman who's very, very muscular, she's not going to have bigger breasts unless she just is genetically predisposed to bigger breasts. It's going to usually require some type of breast enhancement. And a lot of fitness professionals and a lot of people that we have been looking at and have been kind of training our brain in the past 10 to 15 years, a lot of the women do have breast implants. And then I love to see how in the past couple of years, it's been coming out that a lot of these women also have other enhancements butt enhancements, glute enhancements, hip enhancements. Because I would say for most women, if you're going to have fuller breasts and fuller glutes, you're probably not going to have that super flat stomach unless you're just one of, uh, you know, the small percentages that just happens to have the shape that you store most of your fat in your breasts and your glutes and your hips and your thighs, and you just don't store a lot of fat in your stomach which for a majority of women, that is just not the case. Usually for most of us, when we gain weight, we're going to gain weight kind of all over, but we're going to tend to gain weight near our abdomen because fat is safety. And our body really likes the warmth and stability that comes from having that extra layer of, of stored fuel around those most important internal organs. And I do feel like in the past year or so, I mean, I guess the past couple of years, I have started to see how we're moving away from that, that kind of curve, curvy health, fitness, health back to more skinny, like skinny is in. And and the reason I bring this up is not to really talk about certain body types. I think we all have certain body types that some of us are going to fit in a little bit more with the standard of beauty, depending on what flavor of the week it is. Whereas like some of us are very athletic and curvy and some of us are a little taller. We, are, uh, we tend to just be a little leaner, a little thinner. We don't have a lot of muscle on our body. And these are not things to be ashamed of or proud of. They're just are who we are. Our bodies are what they are. And regardless of what the beauty standard is, we are beautiful regardless, right? We don't let society dictate what is beautiful or not. Beauty is beauty. And I think that brings up the really important question of what is beauty? Because a beauty standard is not true beauty. And we have a lot of women walking around right now believing that they are less beautiful because they do not fit the beauty standard. And it's really interesting because a lot of us, I mean, if you're a millennial like I am, and I know I have listeners of all ages, but I'm speaking from like a millennial perspective. I find it interesting because a lot of us were raised by women who grew up in like the 19, usually like 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, right? Like our mothers, we kind of were able to watch our mothers (laughs) really hard or really strive to fit their bodies into the beauty standard. And it's interesting because they were willing to really do whatever it took to fit the beauty standard. And unfortunately for them, the beauty standard was 
for most women, impossible to meet without starving themselves in some way, without doing constant over-exercise, aerobic activity, constant, and really under-eating. This is why I think like the low-fat craze came in, the low-calorie. Like It was all about just how can I feel fuller because women were always hungry trying to stay thin. And then we have that extra layer of where we were watching the women in our life do this to themselves, right? Maybe we were too young to do it. You know, some women I've talked to, it's it seriously is enraging, but their mothers did it to them as well. But regardless of if we were forced to partake or not, it really did shape our reality of how we should treat ourselves. And I think it gave us a false sense of what beauty was really hurting yourself or manipulating your body or starving yourself to fit a beauty standard, there's nothing really beautiful about that. And for so many women, it leads to you know mood imbalances. It leads to ener- energy issues. We become exhausted. We become overwhelmed. We become anxious. We become depressed. We don't have the energy to function and fuel. And if you're someone who is a fully nourished student or you're aware of the fully nourished principles, it's like we know how well we operate fed versus being not fed. And we value feeling really good. And for a lot of us, we're either on our way to overcoming that mindset of I'm going to do whatever it takes to just fit the beauty standard and, and get my body to conform to the standard. A lot of us have either done the work or are doing the work and we're not we don't feel that type of pressure as much anymore. However, we're not superhuman and we're not immune. And social media is this very interesting part of our lives that it's a love hate relationship where it can very much distort our reality and distort our perception of ourselves very quickly. And without even realizing it, we jump into the comparison game very quickly. We don't even necessarily realize we're doing it to ourselves, but we're here we are sitting there and comparing. And the interesting thing about comparison to me is that it's a slippery slope because when you start to compare yourself to someone else, if you're stuck in your masculine energy, that's going to quickly turn into competition. And it's going to quickly turn into like, what are, they, what are they doing? I need to be somewhere. I need to be ahead. I need to get to that point. And then what we're seeing on a mass scale right now, that comparison turned to competition and then turned to just mass conformity. There's mass conformity going on amongst women because they have become, they've fallen prey to that masculine energy of just wanting to be as beautiful as that person or as good as that person or as valuable as that person. And that's really the slippery slope that we have fallen into as a society is we have fallen into the slippery slope that if you fit the beauty standard, you therefore have more value. And we put value in conforming to society's standards of beauty. But to me, the sad truth and how I see it, and you might have different a different opinion and that's totally okay, but how I see it is that at the end of the day, the beauty standard and being beautiful and having beauty and being inherently beautiful are two very different things. And your typical everyday woman who would maybe consider herself average, she is the most beautiful because she has not been brainwashed to believe that the features that are unique to her, that 
are something that she carries and she alone carries are something to be hidden or to be ashamed of. She wears them with pride, right? Or wears them just with almost, I don't even like to say pride. It's just more of like a unattachment where it's like, this is me. This is who I am. Like, I'm not going to try to hide it and I'm not going to try to change it. I'm actually going to try to enhance it or almost like brighten the, the part of myself that I have learned to accept. To me, that is true beauty. That is true, truly being beautiful. But unfortunately, we're seeing this less and less and less because the impact that social media is having, especially on younger girls and and the younger generation, but even I feel like our generation is really impacted by it, where all around you, you're looking at women. And I constantly think about what have you done to yourself? When I'm scrolling through social media (laughs) very regularly, I'm just like, what have you done to yourself? Like, you don't even look like you anymore. And it kind of reminds me of that crazy art in Hollywood, that like crazy abstract art where you're like, what is it? You're looking at it and you're like, it looks like a kid just like kind of took their finger paints and just kind of like scribbled and did a little like, "Mm," you know, flung their paint all over. And you're like, that's kind of the ugliest, most repulsive thing I've seen. It's it's almost disturbing, borderline disturbing. And then you hear the price and you're like, millions of dollars. Like I wouldn't even spend one cent on that piece of art. But everybody is buying it and everybody wants it. And that is just what's cool. And that's what's in and that's what's the fad. And so people will pay for it regardless of the price. And I feel that's kind of like the same way I feel is just like, what have we done to ourselves that we thought that the features that made us unique, the features that we could look in the mirror and say like, wow, that is me. And we decided that we wanted to just cover it up or even desecrate it and get rid of it. And we have let social media, you know, Hollywood really dictate what is beautiful to us and if we are beautiful or not. And then, and then I also think that sometimes we as women can internalize, we, we tend to think that men find certain things beautiful. I think a lot of women, at least the ones that I have talked to, have kind of let men's ideas of beauty or men's beauty standards kind of leak into their subconscious mind as well. Like, well, this is what men find beautiful. And I find that really interesting as well, because I think that we're not the only ones that have had our idea of what the beauty standard is shaped by the media. I think men have had their idea of beauty really shaped by not just like movies, not just social media, but also even porn. And I always think that, I mean, if you're choosing men and you're surrounding yourself with men that define what beauty is through these poor quality sources, I mean, those are not men you want to attract anyways, like good riddance to that. If those men don't find you beautiful, like, thank God (laughs) you really dodged a bullet there because weak men will let something else define what is beautiful to them. Real men know what beauty is and know what true beauty is and can spot it when they see it. They say, I want that. This is like a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. But I even think of like the biological kind of drives behind things. You know, when you think of 
women needing a certain amount of body fat in order to have ovulatory cycles. I think one study said you need like around 26% to 28% body fat to truly have like these amazing regular ovulatory cycles. And of course, we only make progesterone when we do ovulate. And that progesterone, it's not just needed for fertility and for procreation, although it is a very important hormone for that. And we cannot really get pregnant and stay pregnant and have healthy pregnancies without it. But it goes into really every aspect of our physiology, right? It gives us that more like relaxed, surrendering, let go feeling. It it can really soothe our internal tension and our stress. And when we are low in progesterone, it impacts how quickly we age. It impacts the glow to our skin. It impacts our utilization of protein. So actually how we repair our tissues. It impacts our utilization of copper, which is needed in the production of collagen and elastin. So it's kind of ironic that there are a lot of women, and I know that studies tend to be like a gross overgeneralization. And so sometimes it's like, you know, they'll throw out these percentages like 26 to 28%. I'm sure somebody is listening and is, well, I'm way less of a body fat percentage than that. And I still ovulate fine. And it's like, that's great. And there's just, everyone's a little bit different. But what I have found, and I've seen happen again and again, hundreds of times, where women, when they tend to really nourish themselves well, they tend to gain a little bit of weight. You know, in the pro-metabolic space, this has been called safety weight or healing pounds or things like that. Now, obviously, there is a healthy amount of weight to gain and then an unhealthy amount of weight to gain. And I think that's where the mix-up starts to happen. But some of us really desperately need to gain like 10 or 15 pounds to just feel okay. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with women where they'll say, you know, I just feel so much better now that I've gained a little bit of weight. Like my my body loves to be here. And I could say the same. Like I used to sit at a very lean point in my life and now I probably hold on to, I don't know, I would say 7% more body fat. Like I probably used to stay around like 18 to 20%. And now I stay more around 26 to 28%. And if we're going to put a number on it and I feel so much more stable. Like I just feel so much less reactive and I'm I'm able to stay warm longer. Like all of my metabolic markers, my digestion is better. My energy is better. My resilience to stress is better. And my progesterone production is absolutely better. Even though I was ovulating well at my lower set point, I guess we could say, call it that, I feel like my ovulations have more power now, which is really interesting to experience. So from a biological perspective, you know, if you think of a woman who is at the body fat percentage that really helps them ovulate and makes them fertile and makes them feel really good, it's probably going to be a lot higher than what is considered societally acceptable, depending on what's societally acceptable at the time. And if we're worried about someone being attracted to us, and I'm saying this for the women that you know, I get messages very regularly about women just kind of despairing over finding partner that is going to accept them as they are. It's kind of interesting to me because I would think from a biological perspective, if a man is in his masculine energy, he has a good amount of testosterone, he's going to be attracted primally to 
health. You know, when you look at pheromones and you look at actual attraction, physical attraction, you know, pheromones are this really interesting science that they still have so much to to discover on. There's something with scent. There's something with the immune system. There's like all these moving parts. But pheromones are really what attract us or give us that kind of primal attraction to another person. It's why we have that kind of primal connection to one person and not the other. And when you look at pheromones themselves, you know, progesterone really impacts the pheromones of a woman. And this is why we often find that our scent, our body scent, and our even our vaginal scent will change throughout our cycle. Our hormones absolutely shift our pheromones. And so when we think of fat as a really essential source of hormones, you know, our fat itself, our body fat itself actually can create hormones, then if we need it, and if our body does need a little bit of extra body fat to stay at its optimal function, well, that's going to have an overall beneficial impact on our hormonal production. You know, the fat tissues are highly active producers of hormones. And again, I think this this conversation, people go tend to go to extremes and they're like, well, you know, an unlimited amount of body fat is not good, Jessica. And I'm like, I know that's not the argument here. It's just more of what's societally accepted or even what's societally considered beautiful. You know, our society is very obsessed with leanness and and women's fat distribution, you know, where we tend to store our fat. That's really what it comes down to, which is actually kind of ridiculous. It's like, if I store fat in my breast, it's considered a beneficial, positive thing. If I store fat in my lower stomach, that's considered not a beneficial thing. If I store fat in my glutes, well, that's popular right now. So that is a good thing. And it just gets exhausting. And at the end of the day, fat is fuel that's stored for later. Fat is safety to the body. Period. End of story. Women's bodies every season go through a period where they're going to store a little bit of fat, lose a little bit of fat. And then if you're going through overarching larger seasons like pregnancy or breastfeeding or a really stressful season of life, you're going to probably put on some fat and lose some fat. It's just fat is a tool just like anything else to the body. And our bodies are really obsessed with safety and stability. And so that is going to lead us throughout our lives as our hormones shift, as the things in our life and our environment shifts, our bodies are going to shift in shape and fat distribution. And that's just That's just the truth. And so I think what it comes down to at the end of the day is really defining what beauty is to us and what is being beautiful. What does that mean? And separating that in in our head from the beauty standard, getting out of that group think of just because it's societally considered beautiful or just because it's the beauty standard, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is beautiful. It can be kind of one of those things where it's like that art where everyone is like, oh, ah, so beautiful. Beautiful, so posh, so, so amazing. And you can be the only one standing there and being like, did a two-year-old finger paint this? And this is considered abstract art. This is considered worth $20 million. Like, am I the only one in the room that thinks this? It's okay to be that person. And it's okay to go deeper and stop letting the beauty standard define what is beautiful to you. And I can just share what that means to me. You know, for me, I've been through a process of I went through the early years where I was trying to cover things up. I've been tempted by things like Botox or lip fillers or things like that. I've been through those times in my life and I just never could bring myself to 
change my face. Like I like my face. I want to look in the mirror in the morning when I wake up with no makeup. That is me. And I have no desire to be like, I want to cover this up. Like I, I want to change who I am. I want to cover this up. I don't want to be this anymore. And I just think of how many women, when they wake up in the morning, they look in the mirror, they don't like what they see. They don't love what they see. They have to quickly cover it up. And I have been there in my life. I have been there because I was kind of almost brainwashed in a way to think that that was part of the female existence. And that kind of idea that like I need to manipulate people into thinking I'm more beautiful or liking me more. And I don't know where that idea came from. I can think of a lot of different kind of areas of programming where that was just the thing. It was like, don't let somebody see you without makeup on or don't go out of the house without makeup or those types of things. But at the end of the day, this is part of those kind of programs that are those spells that just kind of run over and over again in our head. These belief systems that we hold about ourselves that aren't necessarily true. We've just kind of accepted them as truth. But when we sit down and we realize we're like, actually, I like my face. I think I'm beautiful. I love my nose. I love the scar on my lip. You know, I love those things about myself. I don't want to get rid of them. I don't want to change them. I don't want to cover them up. It becomes as we step into owning ourselves, I think that's a part of that wise woman archetype or the (laughs) I called it the crone archetype in episode five. And somebody was like, can we like change that to queen archetype? And I was like, yes, I like that. But it's part of that queen archetype where it's like, I 100% accept myself. And now my goal is to enhance the beauty I already possess, to understand that my beauty comes from the energy that I carry. And what's going on on the outside is just a reflection of my energetic potential being lived out or not on the inside. And obviously there are hormones involved in that. There are There's nutrients involved in that. I'm going to get into that in, in part two of this episode. There are many aspects that are going to affect us energetically. But at the end of the day, there's a difference between trying to change ourselves and cover ourselves up and hide ourselves away or putting it on display for all to see and highlighting the unique features that we are proud to carry. And I think, you know, and this is just my humble opinion, is I I think we need more women who carry themselves that way. I want more women in our world that carry themselves that way. And I do my best to try to carry myself that way, but I, I, I don't want to do it alone. And I think we as women need to own our beauty and learn to separate the the difference between what is beautiful and what is the beauty standard. Beauty outlasts the beauty standard. The beauty standard is going to come, it's going to go, it's going to shift, it's going to change, it's going to give you whiplash and it's going to exhaust you. But your beauty can never be taken away from you. You are beautiful. So own it. Thank you so much for listening to the Fully Nourished podcast. I hope today's episode about discussing beauty versus the beauty standard resonated with you. I also want to give a special thank you to our sponsor, Araza Beauty. If you want to check out Araza's good for your skin makeup, visit them at arazabeauty.com and use the code Fully Nourished for 15% off. I'll see you in the next episode, which will be a little bit of a continuum. 
of today's episode, and we're going to talk all about when beauty turns to vanity and what that does to our physiology. If I mentioned any links or resources in the episode, they are always included in the show notes for your convenience. And if you enjoyed the episode and want to support the podcast, please share it with others, share about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. Anything helps. I really rely on the amazing women in our community like you to spread the word. And with that being said, I also really value your ideas and thoughts about the podcast. So if you have any topics you'd like discussed or guests you'd like me to bring on, please go to justcashwellness.com slash podcast to share those with me. And if you want more content or you want to stay in the loop about new episode drops, follow me on Instagram at Wellness and sign up for my Sunday email at jessicaashwellness.com slash email dash subscribe. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you soon.